0: Welcome to the Deep Bear podcast. My name's Sean, and joining me as always is the one and only Dante Boff and Mr. Boffman. Man, how are we?
1: So freaking good, Sean. How are you? <laughs> I'm wonderful, and
0: uh, we're getting into this stage of the bubble, which is the the lazy bubble, the the resting stage of the bubble. Um, mm. Just as if we were in game seventy to eighty two in the regular season, but condensed into eight games, we're seeing literally three, four, four teams really try. really try and win games. Um, And then the rest of the teams are playing their Giannis Antetokounmpo's and LeBron James about 15 minutes a game and not checking in the fourth.
1: Yeah. Or in the case of the Oklahoma City Thunder they're not really playing anybody who wasn't named Chris Paul.
0: Yeah. Well, 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 let's get into that. So your Phoenix Suns beat OKC this morning, um, Mm. which puts them a half a game behind Portland for the ninth seed. And they need to win one of their next two. Sorry, they need to win both of their next two games, and Portland needs to lose at least one of them for Phoenix to get into the play-in, which we'll talk about in a second. But let's just get into the game, Dante. What did you notice from the game that you wanted to talk about?
1: Well, the two big stories straight off the top with this game was number one that OKC rested like everyone. They didn't play SGA, Schroeder, Adams, or Gallo, so that's um, they played. You know, Paul was only like regular, playing big minutes. Um, so that was the first, the first big one, and then the second big one was that uh, I don't know if you if you saw this, but DeAndre Ayton missed his COVID yeah. test check-in. Yeah,
0: I um,
1: and had to like rebook his COVID test for like a later time slot, and doing that meant that he like wasn't he couldn't get his test results back before the start of the game so he had to start like on the bench like in quarantine before he could play uh so he sat out the whole first quarter and ended up only playing like 15 minutes um was it it a matter
0: was it a matter of like a star wars movie like rogue one where these guys are literally sitting on top of the you know whatever planet they're on at the end scarif and like the guys in the, the guys in the rebel ship up top are waiting for the, you know, the files to get transported. And they're sitting there with their finger on the button ready to, you know, sub DeAndre Aiton in They're waiting for the negative test results. And it's like Scarif is blowing up and they're about to send it through the force field. Is it, is it was it a bit like that this morning?
1: I don't think it was quite as dramatic. <laughs> there was no, um, there was no like shockwave that kills Jynoso and Cassian Andor at the end. The no, he was just, he was just like on the exercise bike, but like well away from the team. Um, and I think a large part of it like he could have come in and played like, like if he rested the first quarter he could have come in and played 30 minutes mm. but he came in and played 15 because I think Monty Williams was like are you fucking serious <laughs> what I just want to know like what what were you doing in the bubble <laughs> yeah. that you like you're like oh I missed my COVID test like you 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 weren't running for public transport. <laughs> were you playing 2K in the 2K lounge or you were fishing on the lake or something like that? Those are the only two things that you have available to do and you missed it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, no, it, was, it, was a, it ended up being a bit of a blowout, 27 points in the end. Um, and that brings Phoenix to 6-0. and 0. And you know, now, like you mentioned at the top, we are in that stage of the bubble where everybody's resting, pretty much everybody. But the Suns did, did get a couple of good wins early on in this streak against um against good teams who were playing their players. Uh, so we got um the Mavs, the Clippers and the Pacers were all mm-hmm. playing um pretty much full full strength squads when we went through it. So it's good to see that we're in position to, you know, if we win out, you know, maybe make it into the into the plane, which I think uh I think Kevin Pelton from ESPN was saying that there's a less than one percent chance of Phoenix even finishing um I think it was 10th. So, yeah, they yeah, They were. They came, I think it came in 13th. And, and for us to be sitting half a game back of 9th and the play is, is a pretty good result, regardless of what happens, you know, I, I think we can, it's possible that we can win out. But obviously, we're relying on Portland to drop one of those games as well.
0: Yeah, so the Phoenix's next two games are against Philly and Dallas, and you know, not sure if Joel Embiid's is going to play in that game, but Ben Simmons definitely isn't playing, which we're going to touch on later. And Portland have got Dallas than Brooklyn, so that Brooklyn game, considering that the East is already set and we know at least the seeding as well with the one and eight and the seven and two, it's pretty look. It's it's all in Dallas pretty much. It's all in Dallas to beat Portland in this first game because obviously I'm going for the team that you go for. I uh, feel bad that the whole time we've been recording the podcast, I've, I've been going for Golden State and you've been going for Phoenix, but uh, yeah you made your bed. Now you got to sleep in it. Um, so, Portland against Dallas, and Dallas rested Luca and the Zinger uh, today in a win against Utah. So, Look, it's I don't know what's going to happen, but Dallas has got no obligation to play their best players just because they like the fun story of Phoenix going 8-0. But it could even be a funnier story of Phoenix going 8-0 and still missing the playoffs, which is something that when we spoke to Jana Mazel a couple of episodes ago, she said, look, you know, there is a chance, but we can literally sweep it and still miss. But look, I'll be going for you, but I really hope that we see you know all these teams play at full strength, and it's not a case of Dallas resting. and it's like, oh, Dallas rested, Portland, get in and it's just easy, come, easy go.
1: I think the Dallas will rest the last two. And they, I I don't think they'll that they'll just like sit Luca and KP, but it could be like a maybe like we, we see them for like maybe ten or twelve minutes because i I'm pretty sure that they're locked into that um that seven spot. So, mm. There's no real incentive for them to play anybody. And the issue is that obviously like Portland's in this position the whole year. Like Portland is in this position now where they're like scrapping for the nine seed because mm-hmm. the whole year they've pretty much been ravaged by injuries. And now they're close to fully healthy, still gelling, but they've got Collins and Nurkic back. And so this is like the majority of the team that uh, made a deep postseason run. So I don't feel great about the possibility of them like playing like the Dallas backups and then the Brooklyn backups or well the, the, backups, backup, of
0: the backups. backups yeah yeah the chris the chiozo um, which uh did you hear that chauncey bills referred to him as chris Chorizo the other day <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if it's mildly racist or if something like, should be uh something should
1: be like, sharing. was it was it on purpose or did he just did you
0: just mess oh, it up? I didn't actually. I didn't hear the clip. I just read the headline um, and thought, <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't need to listen to that. So either way, it's A, not a good joke, and B, if you did mess it up, come on, man, be better.
1: <laughs> yeah, Chris <trees. laughs> Um,
0: you Yeah, Dante, Dante I want to ask you two things about this, what we've learned from the Phoenix bubble. First one is, what are your thoughts on... So the NBA started the bubble with the priority of safety. What are your thoughts on how they can... How the NBA can sit there and still claim that safety was a priority when Phoenix could literally go eight and and play incredible and still miss the play-in tournament, not just the playoffs, but miss the play-in.
1: Well, I think that they would say that the difference between having an extra 30 people there and having like is marginal in terms of uh, the way that they the way that they kind of viewed the construction of it. And a lot of people when they started this were saying, why they're 22, why not 21? In order for them to cut it back down to 20 from 22, they'd need to not invite Phoenix and then either one of Washington or San Antonio. And that, it's not a great look to not invite anyone from the East without going to like a conference-less format. And San Antonio were probably too close to the playoffs for them to, like they'd feel pretty hard done by if that like, if they weren't invited. So they've said that look, twenty two gives us a nice, a nice even number that we can work with. It helps with the scheduling, and the, they obviously had enough faith in their protocols that inviting extra thirty people wasn't going to be like a death knell for for the safety. And I think you know, touch wood that through the first what are we with through the first month ish, yeah. through the first you know month of teams actually being in the bubble properly. There's been no cases, so I think that's at least somewhat of a vindication for them in their protocols and and you know the, the the safety kind of regime that they've set up. So yeah, I mean I don't I don't have a big big problem with it, but it does. I mean yeah, for for a team like us, like if we go eight and zero and we don't make it, then obviously that's disappointing because we'll all the fans and the players will have their hopes up. Be like oh we're seven and nine, that yeah you know, we're almost going to pull off a miracle, but if you like look at it just as getting an extra eight games in with this roster and this young lineup, and seeing what this team might look with, with everyone kind of like gelling and 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 with the skills a little bit more developed, then at the very least, it's kind of like and you know, I'll be heartened, and I'm sure that the organization will be heartened as well to see the way that this team has been able to play against some good good quality opposition. So. You know, if that's if that's as good as it gets, and then we have to go home in a few days, then you know, say la vie. And it's been fun living in in, in TJ Warren bubble. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're
0: definitely right. You've got some really good PR, and God, the Phoenix Twitter account is just having a field day. It. <laughs> it's um, it's probably the first good thing they've had to tweet about in a couple of seasons. So like, more power to them. But I think. If you've put it right there, you know it's a good little finish to the season. But imagine if you were winning games seventy-seven through eighty-two, and you finished the season on maybe a ten-game win streak, right? Um, and during a full eighty-two-game season, if if it had actually extrapolated it out the way it was, you'd probably miss the playoffs. Given if you'd won the last ten, uh, the last ten games of the season, probably, right? And the thing is, like, I don't think the Phoenix front office and James Jones would respond too drastically to just a 10-game or an 8-game win streak at the end of an 82-game season. But are you worried as a somewhat scarred Phoenix fan, um, are you worried about any overreactions from the front office after quite a hot bubble?
1: Not really, because I think the only way to – like, there's no real – in terms of handing out extensions or contracts or whatever, there's no real like imperative to do anything now. The only player, you know, who's part of our part of our lineup who's coming up is Saric, who's played really well in the bubble. And and I, you know, when we had when we had Gina on a few weeks ago talking about the Suns, I said that I've been pretty underwhelmed with him uh, for most of the year. And he's moved to the bench in the bubble, coming off the bench uh which is seems to do him a lot of good. He's averaging fourteen and eight, which is around that uh that mark that he was at when he debuted in Philly and, and that was his best season. Mm. So Cam Johnson has come in who was nominally playing three all year. He's come in as a starting four, which has been really good for us. So Cyrus is coming off the bench now. Um and I don't think that, that he's really a risk to have a good bubble and then like we overpay him because it's like well he's coming off the bench now. So um, it's not like he's still starting and he's putting up 14, 8, and we're like, oh my god, like this guy could be worth 15 million a year, I think. Yeah. You know, given that he's kind of his, he's playing better in a smaller role, that that will kind of like settle his market at least for us. Um, and then everybody else is kind of like set. Everybody else is like either a young player who we've got on a rookie deal. Or a long-term deal like Ubre, Rubio, Booker, or all signed for the next two yeah. years at least, and then someone like Campaign, who's come into the team at the start of the bubble and played really well. I mean, like, we'll probably bring him in, like, in on the roster next season, but not at huge money. Like, he's you know showed sure that he's he he can give us capable backup minutes, which is probably worth like you know like a, a guaranteed you know like a guaranteed two million dollar contract yeah. next year.
0: Well, it's pretty important for Phoenix. It's something that you've been looking for for a long time. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, I think, I think, yeah. So I think, in terms of like like a hot hand overpay, there's no real risk of like James Jones and the front office doing anything rash. But the thing that I'm kind of worried about is like, will they overestimate the like strength of this lineup and then just sit on it and not look to make any additions? And yeah, that's
0: what I'll be worried about.
1: I mean, there's a few there's a few ways that they could, that they could go. When we spoke with Gina, we talked about the four spot, that start spot being the obvious like spot to upgrade in the starting mm-hmm. lineup. And I don't, I, I shortly after that wrote a, wrote a piece for the for the blog about uh, why the Suns should trade for Aaron Gordon, who uh, should be should be gettable this offseason, if something like that came up at a reasonable price, I don't think Saric playing well in the bubble should, like, should stop you from doing it. I think if, if, something, if an option comes out to improve the team, then you look at that, even if we finish 8-0, our record's still going to be 34 and 39. So we're still you know, a few games below 500. 500. Yeah. So that kind of says what that is, um, regardless of how well we finish the season.
0: Yeah, look, uh, th- that's something I would be worried about if you guys are just going to be complacent. Not that that's a bad thing, because I think you've got a good, a good core and a good team to grow with for the, for the coming seasons. But whether that core that you're going to grow with is a championship core or whether it's a fifty win core for five years, are you going to be the L. Horford Hawks or are you going to be the Trey Young Hawks? You know, which arguably might have a higher ceiling. So we'll have to find out. But I think. Good returns. Good, uh, good to see a smile on your face, Dante. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, Sean.
0: Um, speaking of smiles on faces, something we cannot say for Memphis and New Orleans fans, who everyone was extremely excited heading into the bubble. Uh, while New Orleans was in a similar position to San Antonio and Phoenix, they still had quite a bit of work to do to get into the bubble. And I know you and I are both excited to see Zion maybe sneak in there and just see the two Rookie of the Year candidates just go out in a two-game playoff and then the winner gets to face LeBron in the first round. But that that might not be the case for both teams because Memphis, after losing a game against Toronto, which, you know, they actually came pretty close. They came within one shot uh, with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter and just couldn't close it out, which is hard to do when you're missing one of your best shooters and best scorers. But Memphis is is severely uh, underperformed and... I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to take away from. Him. Obviously, New Orleans was a bit of a different case because Zion didn't look like himself, and there was obviously the minutes restrictions and the minutes limit. Sorry, and he, uh, yeah, he, you know, it's it's been a bit of a shit show. I'm not going to lie. This uh, this is quite disappointing, and something we may as well just talk about it now. Something that came out yesterday from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, which was a report that said the New Orleans Pelicans will consider hiring Tyron Lue or Jason Kidd if elven gentry isn't retained and look that's i think whether smoke this fire and whether this is overreacting just like what we talked about with phoenix but if the if the pelicans are thinking of moving him from the head coach because they underperformed in look an eight game small sample size and six games so far i think that is very much overreactionary and you, you don't want to see anything conclusive uh, drawn from these eight games but Dante, what do you think about uh, the future of New Orleans now that they're officially eliminated from the playoffs?
1: I think there's obviously a lot to be optimistic about and you'd feel pretty comfortable just running this team back considering that, you know, Brandon Ingram's up for most improved. Zion is going to, you know, if he had played the full the full season, you know, the numbers that he's putting up would have been the year, year. And then you've got a bunch of other young players, role players who are still kind of, um, growing like growing into themselves, guys like Nickel Alexander Walker, Jackson Hayes. You've got what should be a playoff team for you know like years and years to come. But I think the issue that I have with that report coming from Woj is, and I know I'll, I'll preface it by saying Alvin Gentry doesn't have like a consistent track record of success. Like when he was coaching Phoenix, Phoenix was good but not great. Um, and now you know with the Pelicans, they haven't really done much. Objectively, but to hire, like to fire him, or like be kind of like thinking about that now, when the options are Tai Lu and Jason Kidd, it doesn't really inspire me. I mean, Tai Lu, yes, he's wanted chip. He won a chip in his first season. I personally don't. I'm not one of those people who's like, oh it was all grown Like, obviously, Tai Lu is a pretty good coach. To be able to do that but i don't necessarily think he'd be a fit here and then jason kidd is most notorious for like running himself out of his first coaching job because everyone hated him taking the bucks job and then the bucks being 10 to better as soon as he left so like what about either of those resumes makes you confident like like Ty Lu's coach the like, entire coaching career has been coaching established superstars who are like Adults, like mm-hmm. he won a championship with LeBron. He's now coaching the Clippers, like assistant coach on the Clippers, where they like everyone there's no young players. They're all just adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I, good I, good I just roll of sorts. Yeah, I just don't think that it's it's a great fit. The one thing that you know makes me think that maybe there is a bit to this report, especially looking at Tyloo, is that um, he has a relationship with David Griffin, who's the Pelicans GM from when they were in Cleveland together. So. That kind of makes me makes me think maybe, maybe that Griff would want to go down down that path. But I just it doesn't seem right to me. What do you think?
0: Well, obviously you don't want to overreact from such a small sample and such a weird sample that you know really it really doesn't mean anything. But I think David Griffin has said in the past that he understands that when a new front office or a new regime comes into a team there's most likely going to be a coach left over from the old regime. And that coach is usually fired because that wasn't the guy that wasn't the guy they brought in to complete their vision. But like Griffin was really, really positive with Elvin Gentry when he first came in and he really backed his guy. And I think even, I think there was a, an interview during summer league where he acknowledged that this isn't his guy. And traditionally, you know, the new GM would bring in the new coach, but he, he doesn't see a need for that. But look, he by him acknowledging that he does acknowledge that the coach can be a scapegoat and there already is this track uh, proven track record of jams coming in not liking the coach maybe giving it a go for a year or a year or two and then just giving him the flick this we could be seeing this again we could we could be seeing david griffin using pretty much essentially an asset or a move in his back pocket where he says look it's not working instead of getting the pressure off me let's throw it onto the coach and then he gets to get out of jail free card which is not the most positive thing in the world but it's something that he could do and he gets to keep his job for you know another year another couple of years but uh, like you're saying there's there's no star assistant coming up through the ranks we've just seen New York interview every single assistant on the planet and you know no one's saying that there's next Mike Budenholzer or the next Steve Kerr coming up and obviously we don't know until we actually see him but you know there's no big name out there that is really going to be better than Elvin Gentry and I think having a guy like Gentry who is fast, fun, exciting, you want that with your Zion Williamson and your Alonzo Bolt team. And look, they haven't, they haven't been bad. They've just been injured. And it's uh, it's hard to evaluate a team when you guys aren't playing. But uh, one thing I did want to say, one last thing I want to say on New Orleans is that I was watching that Spurs game that they lost. And Zion, the start of the fourth quarter, about a couple of minutes in, scored six straight points. And it was really cool. And it was, it was capped off by this sort of, he went for a, he was dribbling in, he went for a post up, and then as soon as he put his back to the ring, he span around and then just curved wide open to a lane and dunked the ball. And it was, you know, just beautiful to see. And then he got subbed out because Elvin Gentry had to meet the minutes limit, subbed him out, and then he was saving a couple of minutes for the end of the quarter. And Zion went over. Jeff Van Gundy is just, you know, parading him with fat jokes still. Don't know why he keeps doing it. And um, as Zion sat down, like he grabbed his water bottle on his tail and he just piffed it on the ground. Like he threw it really hard on the ground. And I was like, that's really weird. Like, you know, he just scored six points. The team just went on like a six to two run. The team's coming back and he's throwing the thing on the ground. The only thing I could see that being is that he's pissed off that he had to get subbed out. But if you're, pissed, if you're that pissed off that you're getting subbed out, like surely he knows that he's getting subbed out as a sort of you know, body conservation. They've just taught him how to retaught him how to run and do all those things. So like if he's that pissed off and we all sort of understand the situation there, I I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to get into conjecture, but I'm just about to, is this, is this signs that Zion is unhappy with the team and unhappy with the the sort of minutes load they're giving him? Because he is copying a lot of copying a lot of crap on on Twitter. If you're seeing all the Memphis fans in, in my feed anyway, uh, throwing out all these, you know, fake rookie of the year jokes and Zion Fat jokes and learning how to rerun. So do you reckon this is affecting him and maybe, God, this is this is so hot takey, but maybe deteriorating the long term um relationship?
1: Well, I think it's I think I put my fucking house on it that he's <laughs> unhappy with the minutes restriction given the fact that he's um you know, like like the caliber of player that he is, and obviously the caliber of competitor. Um, so I think, yeah, obviously he he wants to play more, but I don't think that, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't read into that the, the bottle bottle slam too much. I think that probably is just a product of the heat of the game. And it being an important like an important game, and him you know having a lot of pent-up energy, he rested the game before that game. So he's like, I would imagine yeah got got like he's kind of like ready to go, um and the fact that they can't or won't put him in is you know obviously frustrating. So I think the comparison would be the BA situation from Philly a couple of years ago when he was recovering from um foot and back issues his first two seasons. They just said, you're playing twenty minutes a game, and we're resting you on back-to-backs, and like that's it. That's that's it. And if you're mad about it, don't care. If it's a close game and you've got thirty points in eighteen minutes, don't care. Like we will lose the game and you will sit because once you get it right, once you like make sure that there's nothing, um, you know, like, nothing wrong with you and that you're you're good to go. That's when it's like, all right, well you play thirty-five minutes a game now and we make the playoffs because you know uh, like his his numbers are crazy so when they can leverage him for 35 minutes at a time like who knows what he's going to be able to do statistically but also in terms of like dragging this team to the playoffs so i think yeah i think there's probably a shared sense of frustration between him the medical staff and the coaching staff that they can't play him more that they won't let him play more but imagine if in this game um they lose the game and and they're eliminated Imagine if he plays, like, five minutes more and then it's 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 Derek Rose in the first round of the 2011 playoffs again. And it's like, mm. well, why was he out there? Yeah. Why yeah. was he out there? And now you set him back. You set your franchise back, you know, by God knows how long. I mean, coaching, like, like, Alvin Gentry, that would probably be, you know, like, devastating for him. David Griffin, I think he's got a lot of credit, a lot of cachet in the league. And I don't think he's been there long enough that anyone's going to put any blame on him, but like well, if Zion's injured and he's out for six months, that could be half of the next season, you know, mm. so anyway, I think long story short, actually long story long because that was a bit of a ramble. <laughs> don't read into the drink bottle okay okay
0: um all right well that's uh that's pretty much all we're going to talk about the bubble, I believe because um everyone else is pretty much resting, so the playoffs starts six days from now. So that means we've got around five, six days of resting basketball outside of, you know, obviously that that eight seed play in which those teams are hopefully going to be trying hard. But should we just move on to a little bit of news? Yeah, let's hit it. So the first bit, which I am very excited to see your opinion on, which is Golden State Warriors forward center, Draymond Green has been fined $50,000 for quote tampering when he joined inside the NBA uh, talking about Devin Booker needing to get out of Phoenix. This comes from Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. Dante, was this actually tampering?
1: No, I don't think it was actually tampering. <laughs> but at the same time, Draymond Green, get Devin Booker's name out of your mouth. <laughs> I don't want to hear anything starting with D coming out of Draymond Green's mouth. No, I don't think it actually. I don't think it actually was tampering. But by the same token, the NBA is going to cast a very wide net on this, and it's fifty thousand dollars. Like it's 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 like nothing, you know. Mm.
0: Not nothing for him. Uh, we should add the caveat. Yeah,
1: nothing for him. Right. I mean, but, but I mean, like, if you look at the if you look at the comparison, it's, like, it's probably like the equivalent of like twenty five dollars.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but look, I think the the term tampering they're they're talking about any player talking about any any player under contract talking to another team or talking about another team and obviously this is on inside the nba this is very you know out there and very very big but look i uh i, I agree with you i don't think it's tampering even though he did say something along the lines of you know, you need to get out of there Devin booker um but he didn't say if you need to get out of there come to golden state or you need to get out of there and Go to Minnesota. I uh, don't even know if that would be tampering if you've got this third, third party trying to orchestrate a, orchestrate a trade. I think this is also just a case of the NBA really trying to put their foot down and really trying to stop the the Paul Georges of the world from ending up in LA at the exact same time that the that Kawhi announces that he's going to sign with the Clippers. Stuff like that, which is actually tampering. And if you can if you can make an example out of these other guys and say, look, you know. We were we we brought our foot down so hard on this. Imagine what we're going to do when we actually read your text or X Y Z.
1: Yeah, and that's I that's that's what I think is probably you know whether it's whether it's good or bad. At least it's consistent. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be an expectation that if you are like publicly talking about another team or another player, then that then that is what it is. Um, but that being said, the prospect of it actually being like legit tampering and like Jamal Green secretly behind the scenes texting Devin Booker being like, yo, come to Golden State. Yeah. That if that happened, like I we'd have to stop the pod. Like I wouldn't be able to look you in the face as a Golden State man with Devin Booker on your team. Well, like we'd trade we'd trade him for like we'd trade him for like Kevin Looney and like a protected first round pick or something.
0: Andrew Wiggins. Um- <laughs> No that, that's completely right, but just letting you know, Draymond has recruited better players um whose name rhymes with the schmeven romance, so it's uh it's not outside the realm of possibility um moving on to the next piece of pretty much devastating news really is that Ben Simmons is having surgery on his left knee. I think it would have happened by, by the time you're listening to this podcast to have a quote, loose body unquote removed, which sounds horrible. And Mm. according to Adrian Wojnarowski, he will be, he will only return to the court if the Sixers make a quote, deep playoff run. So that's no timeline. Deep playoff run could mean game two of the first round or the finals. I think the fact that they've said deep playoff run means they're not being very optimistic. They would have said the early or the first round if it was actually that early. And loose body doesn't sound very fun. And surgery on a knee also doesn't sound very fun. So this, uh, this Sixers team is um, getting very depleted. I was actually watching the next game which uh, against Portland because I was obviously watching to go for Phoenix and I wanted to see Portland lose. And also, I was really I was interested to see what Joel Embiid's going to do without Ben Simmons, because that's been something we've been talking about for, what, two years now. And i just like to see Joel Embiid play good. And I was going to message friend of the pod, Lucas Petridis, every single time Joel Embiid did something amazing. But he actually sprained his ankle within three minutes of the game. Um, I think it was a play or two after he just dribbled out of bounds. So you, you it's safe to say I didn't message Lucas during that whole entire game. But he, um, yeah, he's missed the game and he's questionable, maybe. And look, given that we're rest, we're seeing a lot of rest in the bubble. He might not play for the rest of the seeding games, and the Norvell Pell show, show ensued.
1: The Norvell Pell show is not something that I want tickets for.
0: <laughs> look, he's a he's a good player, and I like I like these guys on two way contracts that are getting, getting good minutes. But yeah, look, I'm not tuning in for it either. Which is. A real shame because the whole story of Philly has been that there's, there's such this unknown and question mark. But now if, if Joel Embiid's not 100% or even if he does play and there's no Ben Simmons, they're clearly not at 100%. And this might just be first-round player fodder and could, uh, yeah, could, mark some, could mark something more big, let's say, uh, in yeah, an incredibly bad way.
1: I think it very well could.
0: Um, and just following up on top of that, something big that could be happening is something that we uh, that we posted, and I forgot to write in our notes Dante for um, posted on the Deep Two Instagram page, which is that the Cleveland Cavaliers are showing heavy interest in Ben Simmons and believe that they have a quote enticing package unquote for the Sixers if he becomes available for trade. This is from Chris Fedor of the, of Cleveland.com. And I don't know how enticing the package is and whether it's enticing than maybe five other potential packages out there. But look, again, I think it's a little bit like Elvin Gentry uh, where there's smoke, this fire. And if we're seeing a team start to lay the seeds of potentially getting a Ben Simmons trade, especially if he's going to you know, miss the rest of the bubble and there's going to be more question marks and we're going to have a whole off-season talking about whether Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons can do it. I don't know, man. That's... Uh, Not fun for Philly.
1: I think the big thing will be someone they haven't mentioned yet, which is Brett Brown. I think Brett Brown will lose his job.
0: Well, a bit like the scapegoat that I mentioned with Gentry before, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, they're going to go in the first round and probably play the Celtics Mm -hmm. uh, if they finish sixth. So, uh, you know, that, I mean, maybe Embiid will be able to do do work against um, the Celtics, kind of smaller bigs. But... Mm, you're not going to win a series. Yeah, you're not going to win a series, and yeah, I don't know. I and mean, this was supposed to be the year that they kind of um, put that, put it all together and prove that they could, you know, consolidate like a fifty-win season with a deep playoff run. Yeah. And they've been unconvincing all season. So it's not like they've, ju- it's not like both. Of them, both their stars have got hurt, and if they lose in the first round, that's like unfair um on Brett Brown that he's had literally the whole season to be judged on they've been inconsistent before the restart before the hiatus they've been inconsistent since the restart Mm. and yeah like you mentioned it's gonna I think be it's I think it's gonna cost Brett Brown his job and an incoming coach is gonna have to seriously look at whether he thinks Embiid and Simmons together is a viable duo to build your team and if not then everyone's talking about it being Simmons being the one that you let go, you let go of, and and trade out. And obviously, he'd have tremendous trade value around the league, being so young and you know on a on a on a, a cost control contract. And um, but yeah, I think Cleveland may be overestimating the level of enticement that Garland um, has. <laughs> yeah, Darius Garland has.
0: Yeah, look, it's um, yeah, it's not it's not good. Obviously, we're both Australian, and we both want to see Ben Simmons do great things, and he's been in a situation which hasn't exactly enabled him to flourish until Joel Embiid sits out for a month or two. So, I think, yeah, it's it's not going to be good, and we're going to go through another couple of months of seeing all these mock trades, whether you know pretty much everyone in the whole entire roster gets mocked everywhere around the league, and it's just uh, yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a shame to see. I, I love using the analogy that. Uh, I love using the analogy that Sam Hinky went to the shops, he bought a box of Lego, like the Death Star in Lego. He took it home and then someone said, hey, you can't actually play with that. I'm, I'm going to assemble the Death Star. I'm going to assemble the team. This dude came in, tried to assemble it. Really weird stuff happened. He got fired. Then Elton Brand's coming in. He's trying to put it together, but they just don't know how to put it together and it hasn't, uh, hasn't ended up as a Death Star. That's two Star Wars references.
1: We're doing pretty good. Maybe (laughs) we can make it a hat-trick before the end of the show.
0: Well, we've got one more piece of news. So Dante, if you can squeeze Star Wars into this, uh, I'll buy you a picnic. But from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, the NBA is beginning to not prioritize the 2021 Olympics in favor of having a full 2021 season, 2020-2021 season with fans. And this has implications after America lost the World Cup and the FIBA World Cup, and a lot of players, including Steph Curry included, said, look, you know we need to put a better team together. We need to win the next international competition, which is the Olympics. If the season's going to go on during that, then that probably limits these guys from leaving their teams unless they do an NHL-style thing where they take a month hiatus during the season to compete in the Winter Olympics. We don't know because this is, as uh, everyone's favorite phrase to say, this last six months has been, these are unprecedented times and uh, we just don't know what's going to happen.
1: Buzzword, buzzword. So much more to uh, add to that, is there? <laughs> no, no. I mean, yeah, I think it's obviously just an example of, you know, during these unprecedented times, <laughs> everyone kind of like looking after the ones that are closest to them. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, look, looking inwards and, and kind of like saying, well, we've got to worry about ourselves first and we can't really worry about, you know, an international tournament. Um, like, yeah, you, you worry about the Olympics at the expense of like potentially like hundreds of millions more money when they've already lost so much. So I think, um, yeah, I think not surprising. And yeah, when it, when push comes to shove, I think all of the players will probably uh, just be grateful to be back in the arenas with fans and they won't actually worry too much. The exception might be some of the older guys who are like, Oh, I want to play one more Olympics and they might not have another four years in them. Mm. Which could be someone like Steph Curry, could be someone like Kevin Durant. Awesome. Before well, we man. go before we go, Sean, I just have something I want to get off my chest. Yeah. I just want to talk about someone from the Thunder who I was really impressed with today. It's like the third time I've ever watched him play, but um Darius Baisley from mm. The Thunder just tore it up today. Uh, he put out twenty two and twelve shot fifty percent from the three fifty percent from the field uh he, he he was that guy, if you remember who who one of the first guys to skip college and just went and trained at um
0: the new balance academy
1: yeah at, at the academy for a year and then got taken with one of those thunder late round picks where they just take like an athletic wing, and they 're like, "All right, we'll just figure it out later yeah like the hummy humdou Dialu pick. Um. Yeah, Roberson. Um. Just contributing to these like absolute, this absolute plethora of long wings they've got. But uh, he's put up back to back um twenty point games. basically and he's all elbows and legs. <laughs> but he's a willing three point shooter. Like already, and he's got a really good pump and go game. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he's so long, he 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 can kind of. Finish, uh, finish quite easily. And I think going to go. I mean, yeah, bit early on the train. I think Baisley could be a twenty-point scorer. He could be a a, a twenty and ten kind of guy um, for a couple of years in his career because the physical, the physical like body is there, and then the skill set as well. If you if you can simultaneously combine the skill set of a slasher who's catching and attacking off the dribble and you know you've got like a, a 38% um catch and shoot rate that the D has to respect you plus you're a good rebounder. It's pretty good pretty good skill set. He could be an ideal kind of like second or third scorer type guy. So
0: is he gonna anyway. be putting up twenty and ten for the main red claws or the Raptors nine oh five?
1: Shut up for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let me have my let me have my under the radar prospect, please.
0: No, you can have it. He can um he can sit on your on your trophy cabinet right next to Bobby Portis, who we're still waiting
1: on. You you grossly grossly misrepresented my interest in Bobby Portis. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the quote that I gave in that episode where we talked about the New York Knicks this is just proof that nothing good happens when we talk about the Knicks. <laughs> I'm pretty sure all I said was Bobby Portis is not nothing. And somehow you've construed that into that me having some fetishization of Bobby Portis's basketball skills.
0: I think Please, Bobby I've had, had enough.
1: my guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: look, I would rather... Um... I'd rather take Andre Roberson and uh, the Utah Jazz as my like big bias throughout the season any day of the week than Darius Basley and Bobby Portis.
1: You would rather take the Utah Jazz for the championship? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, what's no going to happen
0: if Darius Baisley puts up 20 and 10 in it for a season or the Utah winner, winner title?
1: Well, let's think about that. So, Darius Baisley's 20. I think like, if he was going to put out 20 and 10, it would happen in the next five years, right? Seven. So, no. Nah, I mean, like, who are the, who are the blokes who averaged 14 points up to 25 and then by 27, they're just, like, lining it up? Like, it doesn't happen. You
0: know? Butler, Gordon Hayward.
1: No, I mean, those guys came into the like, – like, Gordon Hayward. Houston. Gordon Hayward, whatever. But Jimmy Butler came into the league as, like, a 22-year-old, so it doesn't count like guys who came in as a one and done which is what he did like he's so young anyway here's my case he played pretty much every game for the Thunder this season played 60 games he played 20 minutes a game so he's as a rookie they're giving him they're giving him minutes you know like talk about name some other late round rookies that you know get played 20 minutes a game in their first season doesn't happen a lot like usually these guys sit first they're just playing him and I watched him today and I think he's pretty good. So anyway, that's my case.
0: All right. Well, my case for Utah is if, if they don't win this year or next year, they have three, four years to retool around Donovan Mitchell and maybe that's something.
1: Yeah. But then, I mean, you know, taking Utah or the field, at least with Basley, there's a chance that <laughs> what, happens if, what happens if they blow this up and they do, all they do is they, they trade everyone and they keep SGA and Basley, and then it's, that's like the dynamic duo.
0: Fuck! No love for Lugans Dort doesn't get on your <laughs> on your future OKC roster.
1: No, I'm not a big Dort man. <laughs> All
0: right, well, I think uh, Dort is a good closing to the to the podcast. So Dante, uh, thanks for chatting, and we will uh, talk in the future. Peace.